You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to System Check, a weekly all-elite wrestling analytics show. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey. So, my entire ranking system has changed. Yup, after premiering the show last week, and, you know, so I decided I was going to stick with the wins, losses, and draws ranking system. Uh, evidence came out to suggest that... You know, that was no longer really the case. We're not really, not just straight up and down wins, losses, and draws that matter. I had to adapt. Uh, the evidence in question was in a media conference call last week. Executive Vice President Cody Rhodes said, and I quote, the quality of the wins matter as well. If you remember last week's episode, there was only one ranking system that measured the quality of wins and that was the Ocelot ranking system. That's right. We are no longer doing wins and losses and draws, you know, unless it's sort of like helpful to remember or where, you know, sort of rank people as a secondary tertiary sort of system. We've moved on. We've converted completely to the Ocelot ranking system. As a quick refresher, because I'm sure you're going to need one after last week's episode, let me tell you all about Ocelot. The Ocelot ranking system is a way to rank wrestlers through the wins themselves, along with how they win and the quality of said win. Like I talked about last week, the version of Ocelot I use to rank wrestlers uh, was pulled from AEW's own Chris Harrington from an article he wrote for Voices of Wrestling on January 27th, 2015. A little old. I'm sure he's changed his system a little bit, but that's the most recent one I could find. And I think... Not really the easiest, but definitely the, um, you know, being able to convert to all the wrestling, definitely the one of the easier ones to figure out how to use and use properly and maybe explain well for you, the listener. How, so let's explain it. How Ocelot works is everyone starts with 1,600 Ocelot points. In each match, we will give points to the winners and take away points from the losers. The singles and tag team rankings will be kept separate, and different events will have different weight. For example, winning at a pay-per-view will have a bigger impact on your score than a win on, let's say, AEW Dark. Additionally, you get more points for a clean pin or submission victory rather than a DQ or a time limit draw. I will write all of this out in the accompanying r slash squared circle post that I'll have, uh, so you can learn so you can learn more about the math behind Ocelot. But I hear you asking which matches count. I'll say it, all of them, everything counts. At least that's what Executive Vice President Matt Jackson says in regards to the AEW Dark matches counting. But I'm going to expand it. I've been a stark defender of not counting the Battle Royales or gimmick matches before in the wins, loss, and draws ranking system. But with Ocelot, all those matches can count. The math makes it possible. Uh, Whether or not they count it in win, losses, and draws, sure. You know, the unsanctioned match, sure, doesn't count. The Battle Royale doesn't count. But Ocelot allows that 
to count, allows those matches to count. You can count those. So I'm going to count those unless otherwise told, unless be simply because Matt Jackson said everything counts now, I have to count it because uh, he was one of the people that originally said gimmick matches and battle rules do not count. Uh, so Matt Jackson saying everything counts, Cody Rhodes saying the quality of the wins, all this is screaming ocelot, especially since I tweeted Chris Mookie got a Harrington, and he even said that he talked to someone about ocelot, and he would go with ocelot. All the evidence suggests ocelot, so I'm going to keep moving forward with that. So I'm going to count those matches. Additionally, tag teams are going to be treated like their own individuals. For example, in... Let's say the trios match of Omega and the Young Bucks against Jericho and Proud and Powerful. Omega is treated like an individual party, and the Young Bucks are treated like an individual party, as if almost as, as if they're doing a two-on-two tag team match, if that makes sense. Um, another example, think of the eight-man tag match on AEW Dark as a two-on-two tag team match. So each tag team, when it comes to trios or eight-mans, we treat it as almost as if, you know, a singles wrestler would be treated as their own group in a weird way that almost like makes it like even empowering to be a tag team because it's like we are connected. We don't have individual scores. We are a team. So our team scores matter. Again, if someone like Matt Jackson has a singles match, then in that same regard, he will then have his own separate singles ocelot score. Same thing with Christopher Daniels when he had that match against Shima, he has his own singles ocelot score. You know, ocelot can be a tag confusing to some, but simply it was a mathematical way to measure the quality of the wins in AEW. Many other people will and can continue with wins, loss, and draws ranking system. But we here at System Check want to give you the most accurate ranking system based on what All Elite Wrestling has told the listeners, told the fans. You know, if something new comes out, we will adapt and change. Is this Ocelot math the exact math AEW is using? Who knows? But I promise you, I will make this System Check ranking system as accurate as can be. Mark my words. So, with that blood oath made official, let's now preview for the second episode of AEW Dynamite in Boston, Massachusetts. First up, we have the Young Bucks, ranked number 2 out of 11, against the Private Party, ranked number 7 out of 11. In the opening match of the AEW Tag Team Tournament, the Young Bucks take on Private Party. This match was previously announced at House of Glory, when after feeding Private Party, the Young Bucks stated they wanted to do the match again and have it here in Boston. But that was then, this is now, this is all Elite Wrestling. There are a lot of interesting stats heading into this match. Number one, Young Bucks are the favorite to win with a 53% chance of victory. You know, Young Bucks make nearly double the amount of tags during a match than Private Party, and their average match length is also double of Private Party as well. However, both teams be on a losing streak at the moment. Young Bucks at a losing streak of two, Private Party losing streak of one. So, you know, Young Bucks have, have been in a deeper decline than private party personally private party are a great upstart of a tag team and i'm excited to see them perform in the future along with this match itself 
but I cannot see how Mark Queen and Isaiah Cassidy are walking off the victory here. Even as the underdogs in this match, they aren't really the underdogs in this tournament. That crown I would give to the Jurassic Express. I think this will be a great showcase of a match for Private Party, but consider their tag team title party ended by a rival Superkick Party. That's right. I don't know, my votes for the Young Bucks completely make sense. You know, they're, they're the... Not to say that the EVP is picking the wins, but they are the guys uh, who are one of the best tag teams in the world. Young Bucks, they're going to pick up the victory. Next up, we have Darby Allen, ranked number 22 of 26, against Jimmy Havoc, ranked 23 of 26. Before we really get into the preview of this match, I just feel I need to address one thing. Does this match make sense stats-wise? You know, um, these two individuals, Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, this is essentially a number one contenders match with the winner facing Jericho on episode three of Dynamite in Philly. So stats-wise, you know, it doesn't make sense. Darby and Havoc are both far down on the Ocelot ranking system. Even if you looked at wins, losses, and draws, Havoc is number nine out of 19, while Darby is five. None of them are number one, number number two, none of them are that high. I mean... Darby is in the top five of potential contenders when you consider wins, losses, and draws. Havoc isn't, though. So this match, to me, you know, it doesn't make sense. There are obvious people ahead of both of these wrestlers. Pac, or Pac, or Pac, or whatever his name is. Sunny Kiss, MJF, yet Darby and Havoc get the normal contenders match. Cody said that the reason behind this match is Havoc won the Cracker Barrel Clash, and Darby beat Shima at AEW Dark, along with not being pinned by Jimmy Havoc in said Cracker Barrel Clash. But both these guys have lost so many other matches before this, or, you know, draw, uh, have a time limit draw against Cody. So I ask again, does this match make sense? And the answer is no, it doesn't. But who cares, right? It is slowly becoming apparent to me that when it comes to making matches, AEW just make just makes matches right there is no ranking system presented on screen to determine uh who what matches will be happening there isn't numbers and stats on the daily presented to us they just want to present solid matches and this to me is a very mouth-watering match you know darby allen jimmy havoc i cannot wait to see that match this again of course is the beginning of tv for aw and they want to present quality matches to new slash returning viewers so they have they have the need to present mouth mouth watering Jesus mouth watering matchups to us fans. So you know Darby Allen Jimmy Havoc makes sense. But with all that being said, we aren't here to predict matches, just analyze the numbers and give winner predictions. And for me, Darby Allen versus Jimmy Havoc, my winner will be Darby Allen. The numbers show Darby having a slight edge over Jimmy Havoc, or at the very least, Darby has been protected from Jimmy Havoc. Both men's likelihood of winning are split down the middle at 50-50, and both are at equal winning streaks of one. But the simple edge of Darby having a slightly better win-loss draw record puts him as the winner of the match in my eyes. But hey, you know, that means we get Darby versus Jericho for the title in Philly. And if Jericho wins, he beat Darby, an opponent Cody could not. The story's there, folks. Darby Allen is my pick. (music) 
Next up is Dustin Rhodes, ranked number 19 out of 26, with Adam Page, who's ranked number 5 of 26, teaming up against the team of Sammy Guevara, ranked number 11 out of 26, and the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Chris Jericho, who's ranked number 1 out of 26. After last show's ending brawl, I honestly wasn't expecting to see this match coming. Like, you know, maybe we could have seen a Jake Hager match, you know, even against Dustin Rhodes. Like, but like we said, that wouldn't be a mouth-watering match. But a tag match with Adam Page? I mean, BT explained that this match is trying to help, you know, this is Page trying to help after not helping the brawl last week. But either way, this is a wild-looking match to me. It, a match I never imagined that would happen. I'm excited about it, but I never pictured it in my mind's eye. Despite this, I I gotta go with the team. Despite all of that, I gotta make a pick. And based on what I see, my pick is Chris Jericho and Sam Guevara here in this match. After the formation of the new anti-elite team, I'm thinking they have to come out swinging and prove why Jericho is teaming with Sammy and vice versa. They can't lose for fear of, you know, looking silly. Plus, if they do lose, then Sammy has to take the fall because, you know, Jericho is not going to take that fall with a title defense right around the corner. A win would bump Sammy up at least one rank, while a loss would drop Paige one rank and Dustin a couple of places. Dustin someone so that, that can sort of eat uh, some of those losses, some of those rank falls. He's not a guy. He's not going to be your world champion anytime soon, if ever. So he's someone that could be, you know, at the bottom, helping out. He could be, uh, to be a, a maybe a bad example, uh, your Hiroki Goto of New Japan. He's sort of like the babyface gatekeeper to the heels, maybe, if that makes sense. So a win will just put Paige higher into that title picture, and you don't want that either. Plus, Sammy and Jericho are coming in with a 53% chance of victory. They are obviously on the same page where Adam Page lack of a better word, um, and Dustin Rhodes, not really on the same page. I mean, Adam Page is not really on the same page with, I should stop saying page, At, Hangman is not really on the same page with the rest of the elite, let alone Dustin Rhodes. He's not even teaming with an elite member. He's teaming with Dustin Rhodes, the brother of an elite member. So they're maybe not on the same page either, but Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho need to be presented and be showing that, hey, we are on the same page. Why do you think I teamed up with this kid? He's great. He's my guy. They got the numbers. They got the logic on their side. My vote, personally, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho win. And finally, is the match that everyone seems to be talking about. It's been hyped up for months now. Sean Spears, who is ranked number 13 out of 26, against John Moxley, who is ranked number 4 out of 26. It's finally here. John Moxley's television debut on TNT, his first televised appearance since leaving WWE, and against none other than Sean Spears himself. These two have never faced off one-on-one in WWE, so for the world, actually, this is a first-time matchup. Moxley, of course, is coming back from injury, while Spears is coming off of a loss to Cody at All Out. Spears will most likely have Tully Blanchard in his corner, but... Will Tully be able to add much help into the match against a guy like Mox? I mean, Blanchard was brought in specifically for his mind against Cody Rhodes or the Rhodes at large. Does Tully have any wisdom in regards to a guy like John Moxley? Mox 
has the edge in this promotion, you know, with a brutal victory over Joey Janela, along with the overall chance of 54% of victory, simply because of who John Moxley is with the small amount of information presented that is mostly in his favor. John Moxley is my pick to win. I mean, you can't write him off, right? This is his TV debut. He's one of the biggest guys in your promotion. John Moxley's got to pick up the, that victory. But I, but I cannot stress, I don't know where Sean Spears will go from here, right? Two losses in singles competition is not a good sign for the team of Spears and Tully, who, you know, Spears is going to look sort of like a chump, while Tully is, you know, going to be presented as a poor manager for Spears. But hey, it's Mox. You can't plan for an unpredictable man which is obviously a tagline that needs to be on a t-shirt soon. I mean, that's beautiful. That's a chef's kiss right there. Beautiful. But yes, John Moxley, my pick to win this matchup. I think coming off of the loss, coming off of his New Japan G1 run, coming off of um, victory against Joey Janela, coming off of injury, coming back home, television debut on TNT, John Moxley has to pick up the victory here in my book. So look at... Let's see it. John Moxley. The Mox defeat Sean Spears. But don't write off Kenny Omega. I'm sure he's certainly going to be involved in this matchup. But I don't think he's going to stop John Moxley from getting that victory. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of System Check. Like always, you can follow us on Twitter at HitTheBooksPod and subscribe to this show on the podcast app of your choice. And please rate and review us. We would love if you do. For everything, you can use the hashtag checked, C-H-E-C-K-E-D, hashtag checked, so that we can find your comment and shout you out. But before we go, I just want to talk about the difficulty of AEW's ranking presentation, and that is simply that there is, you know, no concrete evidence, no presentation, really, right? I mean, Maybe AEW doesn't want to present that information yet, or maybe ever, but with every post on Reddit I make, or, you know, every comment giving information on the stats, you know, they're they're out of line with AEW says sometimes about the battle royals and gimmicks and all this crap. It's obvious that this ranking system gimmick in AEW has confused their fan base constantly. They don't know exactly what things are and i'm not saying i do trust me i am don't get me wrong i am not perfect this show isn't perfect my stats aren't you know my ranking system isn't perfect i like i said it's math so it's also not really subjective but whatever k values that they use i don't know i don't know them. i don't work for the company i would love to cody give me a call i live in atlanta i just write down anyways Cody uses the college football analogy when it comes to rankings. However, it's clearly obvious in every college football game who is ranked where. I mean, does college football have years of numbers to help back that up? Sure, but at least it's presented to their audience at the start of every season. The goal of this show has always been to present an authentic as possible ranking system in the AEW fan base. And personally, I think we're doing a pretty great job. I I mean, I got to thank everyone for listening to the show because... I think we're doing a great job, you know, really showcasing uh, the stats, the numbers, the analytics for AEW each week. And again, I'm not perfect. I'm just a person, you know, using some math, uh, trying to present the most possible ranking system based on the information that is presented to us fans. 
I can't wait to see this show continue and move into the future. But speaking of future, next week we will have a guest. My co-host for Hit the Books, Mikey Manfredi, will be coming on to System Check and join us. Mikey, of course, will be attending AEW Dynamite in Philly. So I feel like it's only fitting to have him come give his analysis about said show. So all in all, I want to thank each and every one of you. And until next time, have a good day. I love you, and please stay elite.